Hey everybody, Ray Lucchese here with Keith Townsend. Welcome to another sponsored episode of the Greybeards on Storage podcast, a show where we get Greybeards bloggers together with storage assistant vendors to discuss upcoming products, technologies, and trends affecting the data center today. Storage episode is brought to you today by Dell PowerFlex Storage. And now it is my great pleasure to introduce Brian Dean, PowerFlex Technical Marketing, and Anthony Cianelli, Senior Director, Global PowerFlex Software Defined and Multi-Cloud Solutions. So Brian and Anthony, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what's new with Dell PowerFlex? Awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Ray, and pumped to be on the podcast today. Um, PowerFlex is, is at a pretty exciting inflection point here for, for Dell Technologies. There's just so many things going on in the world of infrastructure and cloud where customers are consistently looking for ways to drive standardization across the data center. They're trying to eliminate all different silos of, of architectures and, and silos of, of platforms that they've brought in over the years. They're trying to simplify, consolidate all of that. And they're trying to get some level of consistency and experience between what they're doing on-prem and what they're doing in the cloud. And what's really exciting for PowerFlex right now is it literally lives in the middle of all of that. And it's helping deliver some really transformational outcomes to customers, helping them drive towards these true infrastructure transformational outcomes. And we're doing it at some of the largest organizations on the planet for the largest data centers on the planet, handling some of the hairiest, most mission critical workloads that are out there. So it's really exciting time to be in and around the world of, of PowerFlex in general, driving this, some of this transformation out there with customers. And, and Brian, you want to talk, talk a little bit about yourself and what's going on? Um, that's a really great way of putting it. Um, so uh, like you said, Brian Dean with PowerFlex Technical Marketing. I've been familiar with the product and working with it for the last six years. And as a distributed software-defined infrastructure platform, I think it uh, it has been transformational in the customers that have been able to make use of it. Uh, one of the things we'd like to probably get into and clarify as we go through the work today is what exactly is it? Uh, it's been uh, marketed and positioned as high-end storage, as converged infrastructure, or hyper-converged infrastructure, or software-defined storage. What does that even mean? Um, and so uh, it's a little bit of all of these. Um, I like to use an analogy out of like the Princess Bride, right? So when this movie came out, it was a flop. And part of it was they didn't know how to market it. Is it a comedy? Is it an adventure story? A fantasy? Uh, love story. Well, it's all of them, but it doesn't fit into any box. It's yeah. none of them exactly. It's a little more than all of these. Uh, but once people started watching it, then uh, it became its own, you know, classic hit. Yeah, and classic. People understood it. Whereas with PowerFlex, I think it's the same kind of thing. One thing is like, it's a little of all of these. It's none of them in particular. Um, once people start using it, they see the power of it and how much it can do for them. Now, Anthony talked a little bit early on about some of the current issues in the data facing the data center today. Would you like to, you know, maybe talk a little bit more about that and how that plays out and and what the infrastructure, I guess, evolves into? Yeah, sure, sure thing. So, what we've seen is when you go 
to any you know typical customer of any type of you know size or, or scale they all kind of have an infrastructure that looks the same in that it's made up of a lot of different things and I, I like to break it down into like three different categories you know first you'll have what i'll call the general purpose estate right you got a large virtual workload environment maybe a whole bunch of different you know database workloads and typically we'll see things here like your traditional three-tier stack maybe you see customers dabbling in things like hyper converged this tends to be a large part of the environment and customers are after how do i do things cost effectively and how do i make it simple right that's kind of what they're after but that's only one part of the environment then you step outside of that world and you oftentimes also find some type of specialized systems where you have a certain platform there to just run a specific or singular workload basically a platform that ends up being a unicorn in the data center oh, it's okay. just there to do one thing and then on the other end of the spectrum you have this whole new emerging world of what i'll call modern scale out workloads these are your you know your NoSQL databases maybe your modern analytics workloads and the infrastructure here also tends to look different because it needs to scale out by nature, right? So you end up with you know, maybe a lot of servers with just direct attached storage. You go to any customer's environment, they usually have those three categories all at the same time. And there's just an incredible amount of complexity there. And you're not even talking about things like acquisitions where company A buys company B and there's a whole different oh, totally. environment that they have, right? Exactly. There's just so much complexity because workloads tend to look a little bit different and customers just end up with all these different architectures that they then need to operate. And the big, if I kind of summarize PowerFlex in a one word, it's consolidation. It has a very unique architecture that allows us to take all those different platforms and consolidate it down into one universal infrastructure that can solve for your traditional virtual workloads, can run your databases, can deliver the specialized performance, and has this scale-out capability to also deliver for the uh, modern workloads. So PowerFlex is really all about consolidation, and there's just such a, a, a focus right now for customers to think about how do I get standardized infrastructure? How do I consolidate? How do I drive out cost? Because the reality is having all these different platforms, there you you end up with tremendous amounts of waste across the infrastructure. Uh, and utilization, all that, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uneven utilization, just, there's just waste, right? And by driving consolidation, it helps you drive up utilization. And that's what's so unique about PowerFlex right now. And what's exciting about it is, again, like we don't need to sell customers on the value of consolidation, right? That's been proven in IT over 30 years. If I can go from five widgets to one widget, I'm going to save some money. I'm going to become more agile. I'm going to be able to move faster, all that stuff. What's so unique about PowerFlex is it has an architecture that actually allows you to consolidate at the modern scale that customers deal with today. And that's just a really, really exciting thing that just, frankly, nothing out there we've seen has the capability to do to the same degree. That's that's, that's a exciting. huge ask to, to be able to do all those sorts of things with the same storage architecture and stuff like that. Um, 
I mean, databases, right? NoSQL, big data, you know, AI and machine learning, that sort of stuff. I mean, this has got very diverse, I'll call it performance characteristics, those sorts of things, right? Totally. And, and you know, I kind of group it into like, there's three, there's three things you need to solve for, right? The first one is what I'll call ecosystem supportability, right? So today, a lot of modern, you know, software-defined architectures, they're interesting, but they're interesting and useful only if you're running a general purpose virtual machine. So right out of the gate, one of the things that makes PowerFlex super unique is I can run a virtual machine. I can run a, a bare metal database workload, and I can provide persistence for a containerized workload, whether that container is running on a VM or running on bare metal. So from an ecosystem perspective, we can support yesterday's workloads, today's workloads, and tomorrow's workloads. The second piece is what I'll call the architectural scale. The unique thing that PowerFlex brings to the table, it, it has a truly disaggregated architecture where I can provide you a full stack value prop with simplicity, automation, and lifecycle management like a hyper-converged appliance would, but I do that with a complete physical decoupling of compute and storage. The value in that is I can now help drive economics at scale. As your compute requirements grow, you simply grow compute. As your storage requirements grow, you simply grow storage. You have a complete decoupling in how you're able to scale those resources. That means you're never adding or paying for a resource you don't need. You're never licensing a resource you don't need. And it allows you to optimize for things like, you know, database licensing, which is incredibly, you know, expensive. <sighs> the third piece and the one that ties it all together is PowerFlex has a very, very unique IO architecture that allows us to deliver incredible game-changing performance. And as you scale and grow the environment, that performance will scale and grow linearly along with it. The value in that is not that customers need the millions of IOs that PowerFlex delivers. They don't. The value in that is that they don't need to think about or worry about performance as they consolidate. They can truly consolidate with confidence. And that's the superpower of PowerFlex. I now have this scale out architecture where I can run my Oracle. I can run physical SQL. I can run my general purpose VMware. I can run my containers all on the same platform. I can scale my compute and storage in a completely disaggregated way, driven by whatever my application requirements are. And then I know I have more than enough performance to go around to truly consolidate all these different workloads and not have to worry about noisy neighbor, not have to worry about you know huge operational burden from performance management. All that goes away. And the exciting... We're gonna have to get into all this technical stuff too, Anthony. But I, I understand where you're going. It, it's it's kind of a huge, potentially huge system. But I mean, it's I, you talk about you know on, on your website, talk about thousands of nodes. Are there customers out there with with these sorts of uh, configurations? So believe it or not, yes. And this is what's really exciting. The cool part is when we bring PowerFlex to a customer today. We talk about this value prop. But then the most exciting thing is, no matter what that customer's scale is, we would not be learning on them. 
PowerFlex is already proven at the single largest scales imaginable. It's deployed in production at four of the five largest banking institutions in the US. Our single largest customer has over 800 petabytes of PowerFlex deployed, running core banking workloads and banking applications. Now, that doesn't mean PowerFlex is just for customers that have 100 petabytes or more, right? Absolutely not. But what's really exciting here is it's not often that you're able to kind of approach a truly transformational technology with a unique architecture, yet also see it as something that's incredibly proven at the largest scales imaginable. And that's exciting because I can now go to a customer, general, general enterprise, you know, general kind of mid-market customer, and we have a tremendous confidence in our ability to execute because we've already proven the value prop in these massive environments with these, you know, super heavy hitting hairy workloads. And again, we're happy to get into the, the architecture specifics of what enables this. But what's really cool here is it's already proven at some really, really large customers. And that, that's, you know, it's exciting. I mean, and that's the biggest scale. That's that's battle testing at the largest scale, but it it doesn't have to start in the, you know, hundreds and multi hundreds and bigger uh, setups. I mean, we'll start with a four node storage cluster. So if if I was doing some sort of an edge environment, uh, I could start PowerFlex with a four node configuration and and build from there. Yeah. So PowerFlex, you know, minimums, right? Starts at four nodes four storage nodes, and then we also have a concept of PowerFlex compute nodes. And you could literally have one of those, three of those, you know, whatever. And important to know, PowerFlex, it's not just a storage thing. It truly is about how do we not just deliver really scalable, really performant storage, but it's also how do we help customer simplify and transform the operations. Mm -hmm. So when, you, when you're buying a PowerFlex solution, yes, you're bringing in PowerFlex storage, but you're also running PowerFlex compute nodes that give you the benefits of automation and lifecycle management for the compute layer as well, inclusive of ESX, for example. And it's that full stack value prop that becomes really interesting to customers. So essentially, there's three form factors for PowerFlex. We have storage nodes, we have compute nodes, and we also have hyperconverged nodes. So whether you're doing you know, four nodes in an edge location, uh, you're doing anywhere from four nodes to you know, 14, 40, 400 and beyond nodes in a data center, PowerFlex has the, op has the ability to solve for that, which uh, you know, is pretty powerful. So this, this sounds more than a product. It sounds like a operating model. Can you talk to me about that operating model? Because when I'm thinking about my bare metal Oracle workloads, my Kubernetes bare metal solutions, my ESXi, my stuff that's running on uh, Red Hat uh, virtualization platforms, these are all models I of operating that I have to select and I have to be thoughtful about. What you're trying to sell me is this idea to kind of forgo those models as the primary method of addressing storage, compute, and automation in my environment and kind of go with a PowerFlex first model? Not quite. If right. I can rephrase that, it's to, it's to use all of them with PowerFlex as your sort of universal storage framework behind everything. 
Maybe that's a different way of putting it. It's not that we're going to replace the SSI or RHV or something. Um, It's that we can simply um, operationalize and standardize everything underneath and behind those. So the practical challenge, you know, this on paper, that sounds great. But in practice, you know, there's minimum firmware uh, needed for to make sure that I get support on my SAP workload. I, my, my solution has to be validated. So when I upload, when I upgrade my storage firmware, I, I got to make sure that all the underlying components, and this is where the complexity comes in, all the underlying components and requirements are in line with this. And this is where customers get stuck and this is where silos end up being created. How are you helping customers solve that that siloed problem that this is a great solution. Again, I'm sure if I had an all HCI solution with ESXi, or if I had an all Oracle solution, it gives me that flexibility. But when we're thinking about these mixed workloads and this mixed operating model, this is where, you know, my, my skepticism starts to come into play. Yeah. But, no, you bring up a great point, Keith. And this is, this is one of those areas that I think the uniqueness of PowerFlex becomes really interesting, right? Because, one of the challenges of HCI is, is exactly what you bring up. It's super simple as long as you're not trying to do anything outside the norm with it of what I'll just call a straight you know, VMware general purpose ESX type workload. Where PowerFlex becomes interesting is it gives you that HCI-like concept, but with the flexibility of that kind of traditional three-tier stack where your compute and storage have the ability to be operated somewhat independently and on the compute, you can run a variety of different stacks. So within PowerFlex, there, there's, a, there's a tool, if you will, called PowerFlex Manager. And what PowerFlex Manager does is it provides the operational aspect of the environment. And to kind of work from the bottom of the stack up, it will do at the storage layer all of the storage, you know, deployment, add, remove nodes, lifecycle management, firmware, BIOS updates of the hardware, of the software-defined storage. All of that gets done by PowerFlex Manager. As you move up the stack to compute, you have the ability to operate it multiple ways. You can have it fully update, lifecycle, and operate that VMware kind of compute node, if you will, where PowerFlex will literally deploy ESX, all the right BIOS, firmware, and driver levels that have been pre-tested, pre-validated. When it comes time to upgrade or apply patches, it will automate and do all of that on the system. But then let's say you step to a workload that's maybe not running on a hypervisor, not running on VMware. Maybe it's an Oracle running on a physical Linux host. You have the ability for PowerFlex Manager to treat that host with what we call bare metal where it will go and treat that host and just talk to the BIOS and firmware on it. So it'll update just the hardware of the server, leaving the customer to operate their Oracle and and Linux OS image as they have historically. Same would apply to something like OpenShift, right? Where let's say the customer wants to run OpenShift on bare metal, they can have PowerFlex Manager operate the, the server hardware, if you will, and then they can operate that software stack on top of it. So it, it gives you this ability to say, I want to operate this as that clean kind of HCI-like experience, if you will, where I have hypervisor integrated into the lifecycle experience of the platform. And within the same system, 
using this concept known as services, you can also have additional platforms running on top where we don't have to do all the bits, giving you this one singular landing zone that you can have all these different stacks operating on top of according to the way you need to operate them. So a practical problem that we've run into, and it sounds like you've thought this through, a practical problem that we run into is when we have a convert system that's fully integrated, there's ESXi, there's some type of lifecycle management tool, there's the uh, collapsed storage and compute, and I want to go from one version of VMware vSphere or VMware vSAN or whatever the, the control plane is to the next, you solve this firmware problem of needing to go out and get the latest and greatest firmware, that automation is there. And then it seems like in that same platform, if I understand you correctly, if you just want to consume this as a NFS compliant, iSCSI compliant standard based solution, you can do that. So I can connect a, a consistent, uh, a, a persistent volume in a Linux host to deliver as Kubernetes. And I've abstracted away that storage uh, piece of it, the, the software control plane of it. And I'm just consuming it as compliant storage. So let me, let me back up the conversation just a touch. I think I can answer that question and maybe some remainders from the, the previous one. So what PowerFlex is, we'll call it a software-defined infrastructure, and I like to call it a software-first architecture because um, even though it has to run on hardware, uh, in theory and principle at the base, um, it is just uh, software. You bring it some x86, some ethernet, and some um, direct attached storage and install the right pieces of software on a compatible operating system and off we go. Um, you know, there's different pieces of software that allow it to do different things. Fundamentally, there's just three of them. There's a software defined, uh, I mean, there's a storage server that, you know, works on a node to aggregate those local disks, bind them together with other nodes, create storage pools and different, you know, layers of uh, complexity. There's a client, and this is partly getting at what you were just asking, a software SDC, so a storage data client, which runs normally uh, in, well, not normally, it runs in various operating systems or hypervisors in the kernel and is able to map to those storage nodes and consume storage from them, presenting volumes to the hypervisor or the operating system. And we have these for all kinds of platforms. Uh, there's also, you know, pieces of software that do all the metadata management, additional pieces of software that enable different features like replication or uh, NVMe over TCP. But fundamentally, you just got these, you know, storage creator, storage consumer, and some management layers. And it doesn't matter whether you put those on separate nodes and they talk like a disaggregated thing, or you put them into sort of the same node. And you do a hyperconverged thing where an individual node both creates and consumes storage in a cluster. Um, that allows us, and then they don't care, right? And you can mix them up. Well, you can have some things in a cluster just providing storage, some just consuming, and some doing both. Um, that's okay with us. This allows all that great architectural flexibility. It we work with lots of different hypervisors and operating systems, but it also provides many layers of complexity that users don't want to get into. So I think it's the beauty of what uh, Anthony was talking about here a minute ago with PowerFlex Manager is 
Now we'll take all of the complexity that's possible and we'll provide you easy templates to deploy and manage it along with all the hardware lifecycling that happens to be sitting on to provide the ease of operations across the board. Now, now Brian, um, I, I understand how the client and the server can facilitate what I'll call it block access. Uh, do you mm -hmm. also offer file access? Yes, that is new with uh, version 4.0. And does that support like standard NFS or standard SMB services? Or, yep, or all the standard protocols. SMB so you don't two, necessarily three, need a client to support that. Is that what you're saying? No, the um, we we have our file controller nodes that sit there in front of the rest of the cluster, and all of the PowerFlex uh, juice and uh, scalability sits underneath the file systems that those will serve out, but it is from the client perspective, from the uh, file client perspective, it looks just like any other uh, file system that's being presented to it. So standard SIFs, NFS, SMB, et cetera. Right, yeah. right, right. So, so there's a full set, all the normal file operations. Right. And so you, you, you've got this file controller node that that provides, I'll call it, uh, you know, file services and uses the PowerFlex backend for its bulk storage, storage pools and that sort of stuff. Correct. Yep. And um, you mentioned lifecycle management. When you're talking lifecycle management for some bare metal solutions, are you just talking the client side of that, the, the storage data client? Or are you talking like the whole OS and firmware and hardware and, and you know there's plenty of i'll call it different x86 systems out there not necessarily all of which are from dell i know that's kind of a foreign concept but do you also offer those sorts of services for non-dell hardware so the the life cycle management in powerflex is obviously the the storage node hardware and software layer on the compute node front it is the server itself, right? BIOS, firmware, et cetera. And then it would all, it also has the ability to lifecycle ESX for a bare metal host or a non ESX operating system. PowerFlex manager, we're not going to want to touch that. Right. So like, again, if customers running Oracle on physical Linux, that's going to be the customer's Linux OS. They're going to be responsible for that lifecycle at patch it we're going to handle the, the compute node that it runs on. Now, to the question of, hey, you know, whose x86 is it? What we have found over the years is that when it comes to software-defined, customers want the value and the consolidation that a scale-out software-defined architecture can provide, but they don't necessarily want the science projectiness of it of you know mixing and matching different hardware from different vendors. So while PowerFlex as a core software-defined storage can run on any x86 hardware from any vendor out there, the experience around the automation and the lifecycle management is when specifically deploying it on PowerFlex nodes, PowerFlex hardware, which obviously is, is Power, Dell PowerEdge-based. Right, right. So it's about delivering the value that software-defined architecture provides, but doing that with simplified operations by delivering it as a full-stack experience and not simply saying to a customer, hey, here's some software, 
you know, go build infrastructure out of it because, you know, the reality is that's not core to pretty much any customer's business these days. So they want to kind of consume the, the outcome that can be provided without having to, to really put it together or build it themselves in any way. What is a what is a typical I'll call it storage node look like in this environment? Is there any special hardware requirements for those sorts of things, or is it just a you know standard Dell PowerEdge server with you know SSD storage behind it? I mean, yeah, it's, it's actually pretty pretty straightforward. It's a our, how, when we call it quote PowerFlex you know nodes, they're PowerEdge servers with you know ssd or nvme in them standard cpus there's nothing special or proprietary about the hardware itself it's standard power edge if we can put it this way um the hardware gets designed and tuned to enable the software to behave at its best uh the software doesn't require particular hardware so you don't have to have um nvram or things of that nature for special buffering, buffering caches or something like that? So we're not doing any type of caching within the system. And th this is one of the things that's really interesting about, about PowerFlex's IO architecture and how we deliver the type of consistent performance that we do. All of the IOs in a PowerFlex system, and I'm kind of changing gears on you in case you haven't noticed, right? Because mm -hmm. I was looking for an opportunity to talk about our IO path because it's so okay. cool. All of the IOs go directly to the underlying media in the distributed cluster. So for example, let's say I have very simply a 10 node, 10 storage nodes in my PowerFlex cluster, and each of those nodes have 10 NVMe devices on them. When you create a volume in PowerFlex, that volume is evenly distributed across all 100 of those NVMe devices. And now every IO coming from the compute nodes, all those IOs are being evenly distributed across all 100 of those NVMe devices at all times. There's no cache layer. All the reads and all the writes are coming directly off of that persistent media. That delivers two things. Number one, it delivers incredible amounts of performance because now I'm not relying on a cache drive or two to you know, deliver my performance. I'm getting all the NVMe to do it. But the other benefit of that, more importantly even, is the consistency of performance. Because I'm going directly to the underlying media for all my IOs, for all my IOs there's no concept of like cache hits, cache misses, cache misses um, you know, skew, workload skew, all that stuff goes away. And when you kind of run performance testing on PowerFlex, you, you literally look at it, no matter how hard you push it, latency just it's kind of a straight line across because there's no gimmicks in the io path what you see is what you get and it is incredibly consistent and then as you scale or grow the cluster so if i go from 10 nodes to 20 nodes or 100 nvme drives to 200 nvme drives my volume will now get automatically redistributed across all 200 nvme drives and i now just doubled my io performance and there's no, you know, storage controllers in the way. I'm adding, you know, every time I add a node, I'm adding more storage processing power. I'm adding more drives. I'm adding more network bandwidth. Well, and, and that, I, think, I think the other know. piece of this too is it's not just uh, linearity with respect to uh, you're linearly you're scaling the capacity, but getting performance to scale linearly along with that. 
Um, it's very predictable. There aren't any points at which if you add a couple more nodes, you start hitting a plateau or a choke point at which, you know, now you've made it too big. It's going to start underperforming. It, it will. And as long as we're staying inside the theoretical maximums, which are giant, giant, uh, keep, keep growing. And it also, it doesn't start coming apart when you start filling up the storage. And I think that's another, that's part of the result. Another result of this architecture is that you get it 75% full and it doesn't start tipping over. Ah, so, the, the, right. you know, we've all done this a really long time. And the one thing that we know is that scale breaks everything. The computer science is undefeated. So let's test this uh, model a little bit. 10 NVMe drives across 10 servers will saturate a network path. What do you guys do to help us mitigate the IO path itself? Like the, obviously the drives and the servers, once, once I, you know, once I get up to, you know, 16 uh, to 32 nodes of this stuff with all NVMe drive, I, I have way more, I have more, I have more storage IO than I have network. Bandwidth, yep. bandwidth, bandwidth, right? For sure. I mean, to be clear, we're not, you know, we're not breaking the laws of physics, um, to your point. Right? Those laws are undefeated. The cool part is, and I'll, I'll steal an analogy from one of our great pre-sales um, team members that created this. Think of PowerFlex software, almost like a bed sheet. If I put it over a bed, it takes the shape of a bed. If I put it over a chair, it takes the shape of a chair. And, and the analogy for that is this. Today, if I'm running PowerFlex on you know a bunch of NVMe devices with you know four 25 gig NICs on it, it's going to run at the speed of those four 25 gig network ports. Tomorrow, if I'm running it over a bunch of NVMe drives with nodes that have four 100 gig ports in them, I'm going to run at the speed of those four 100 gig ports. So the exciting part is because the software is not the bottleneck, as hardware increases, as networks get bigger. You just get to ride that curve of performance as those things grow, you immediately take advantage of them. So yes, we're not going to do anything to perform faster than 425 gig connections will allow you. We'll run at line speed, but we won't run faster than that. But now as soon as you upgrade to 100 gig or you know 400 gigs becoming a thing, you can now operate at those speeds immediately. And that's what's really exciting because again, there's no storage controller kind of bottleneck. It's not, you know, a dual controller array that, hey, no matter how much I put behind it, I can only do what those controllers give me. It's not a cache-based architecture where you can only run as fast as the cache allows. It truly is this distributed I.O. architecture where you will run at the speeds of the, the network architecture, but then as that increases, so will your speed. And it's not just network, right? And so you can also end up in a situation where, um, you've got, uh, this is part of being sort of disaggregated where you could have the storage backend being able to provide a lot more storage than the compute you currently have available to it can consume, right? They can be, you could have, you know, six compute nodes running a heavy workload and they're all pegged at hundred percent, but you have only tapped out 20% of what the storage backend can provide. So you just keep adding compute, right? Um, theoretically you can get to a point where now your compute is getting to the point where it's starting to saturate what the storage backend can provide. So you just add more storage. Um, you know, we can keep moving this in different directions to ensure that we're not network bound, CPU bound or disk bound or whatever. 
So talk to me about data protection. In your environment, uh, we you know, haven't talked about you know, how you protect for drive failures or node failures and those sorts of things. Yeah, great, great call out. And this is one of the areas we're super proud of because, um, and again, it, you know, going back to when Brian and I first started doing this, we used to have to talk about this in theory. But now what's awesome is uh, we have a whole bunch of customer data to back it up. And when you look across, you know, PowerFlex's big deployments, like this is a true like tier zero mission critical type of resiliency platform, which is really exciting, right? You know, I'm sure you guys are very familiar of the, the long uh, history we have with a platform like PowerMax, which is like the gold standard of uptime and resiliency. Like PowerFlex is, should be thought of in that same breath from a resiliency perspective, and we have the customer data to prove it. And it, it, it relies on the same concepts that we use to deliver IO performance, which is many hands make light work. So the way we protect data in PowerFlex is through something we call a parallel mesh, which is a fancy term for a many-to-many -many RAID 10, if you will, in that Again, we'll go back to our example of, you know, 10 nodes with 100 NVMe devices spread across them. My volume and my protection of that volume is done in a many-to-many -many fashion across all 100 of those NVMe devices. So in the event I have, for example, a drive fail, all the remaining devices, so one drive fails, all 99 remaining devices evenly participate in that rebuild same thing if i have you know a 30 node cluster one node fails all 29 remaining nodes perfectly evenly participate in that rebuild and the the outcome of that is an incredible amount of rebuild speed you know if you think the you know, traditional kind of storage system you have a you know call it a four terabyte flash drive fails you know your rebuild is measured in hours right yeah. That same failure on PowerFlex, your rebuild is measured in, in literally minutes. Or and that's exciting. Depending on how big it is and how small the data set is. Um... Yeah, I mean, potentially seconds, right? So it it's all about the speed of rebuild and taking advantage of that distributed architecture in order to deliver that incredible resiliency. And I, and I remember literally doing this in, you know, oh, going back years where we talk about the math behind it. But now it's really exciting. We just we literally have all the customer data, the customer references running these, you know, core banking workloads at scale, kind of proving out the resiliency of this architecture, which is exciting. And then I'll supplement that with a couple ideas, though. Um, so yeah. we're actually we're not protecting the infrastructure. We're protecting the data. Right. Right. The data in that mesh mirror copying. Right. That's what we're protecting. We really could care less in in this context uh, about the underlying disks or nodes. Uh, the expectation is that things fail, disks fail, nodes fail, uh, and the system is designed to bend and flex around that, but not break. So, you know, when we lose a disk, we're immediately reprotecting the data in this many-to-many, -many, you know, pattern that Anthony described. And as soon as we're done with that, we're done as far as any reprotection scheme is after. So, um, and unlike sort of traditional RAID where, yes, you can lose a disk or two disks or more, but you're not, your data is protected in that first instance, but you're not really healthy as far as your data protection goes until you've replaced the hardware and rebuilt the RAID structure. Right, right. right. So there is a hardware problem. We don't care about that. 
right? So in our context, you lose a disk, we rebuild the data. It may take you know 60 seconds, two minutes, depends on how much data is on there, how many nodes are contributing to this process. Once we're done with that, that's it. You can replace the disk at your leisure or not. You'd be down a little capacity, but whatever. Does that make sense? It's the same with the yeah, node, yeah, right? Yeah. So, uh... Another piece on resiliency that I think actually ties back to one of the points Keith brought up earlier, which is it's the operational concepts of resiliency. And, you know, look, I think we're all familiar with like hyperconverged and and the the rise that's had in a lot of data center environments. And, and one of the challenges that a pure hyperconverged model has, especially in today's day and age where, you know, security patching seems to be happening more than ever, is every time I update a host, I'm taking compute and I'm taking storage offline. And I've got to think about that, right? Like th that's a resiliency concept I need to think about when it comes to things like patching. And because of that, we've seen a lot of customers say, hey, you know, I need to remain with that three tier kind of centralized storage model because I want the ability to patch my compute and not have to think about what does this mean for my storage? Am I taking storage capacity or performance offline? The beauty of PowerFlex is that it gives you the, the flexibility of three-tier with the operational simplicity of HCI. So when you think about something like patching, I'm getting all the scale out and the automation concepts that HCI kind of mainstreamed, but because my storage and compute are physically separate, I can go patch and reboot a whole bunch of hosts. I'm doing nothing to my storage. I'm not taking any storage capacity or performance offline. So I maintain that operational benefit that exists in the three-tier world of patching, updating my compute and my storage as each sees fit without an interdependency on the other. And that's something especially larger customers have really seen a ton of value in that you know has been one of the, the drawbacks of hyper-converged at scale. Yeah, so I mean, now, just to be clear, ultimately, you'd have to update the storage nodes as well. And during that update, there would be sort of a, a cycling through the various nodes or drives in order to perform that update while they're, I'd say the node goes offline, if that's even a terminology kind of thing. In, Into in a maintenance mode where we're, we're yeah, expecting... Yeah. There's there's different ways of handling it, but yes, of course, we're, we we roll and cycle node by node through the storage cluster to update all of the, the different components of it. Right. right. And since my data is basically sharded across ten nodes, this is a rolling update. I'm not taking an outage, uh, exactly. a service no, outage to do this. You know, because exactly. one node goes down for maintenance because it's 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 turn in the upgrade cycle. Um, remember, there's extra copies on all the other. Uh, fault units, which are all the other nodes. And so it just simply moves to the other stuff um, in the meantime. And then that does finishes its job and we move on to the next one. Um, or we can, you know, if you really needed to, you could bring a node out completely and bring a node back in or add extras. Like, and the like elasticity is there to rebalance anyway. Now, right. So you guys mentioned the gold standard and availability within the Dell world, which is the VMAX. Power Max. And, uh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, the Power Max. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, when I think of protecting uh, uptime with a Power Max, I'm generally thinking of, you know, I, I lived in an environment where I supported mission critical SAP. I just had two Power Maxes, 
believe it or not. It's, it's, uh, it's, if a customer is that concerned about the flexibility, but they want the software-defined nature of that, how do they match the availability? What, what, what are some of the, I guess the question is, what's the fault domain yeah. when I'm thinking about availability yeah. of my services? Right. What, what do you mean by fault domain? So, like a so the fault pool. domain of a VMAX is a VMAX. So yep. I have a second VMAX. This is more software defined. So if I have 10 nodes, there's kind of a cluster. So do I have two clusters or what, how do I design for availability? Yeah, great, great question. So the answer is there's a lot of ways you can do that. And so within PowerFlex, there's a concept of cluster, which is my overall system. Then within that cluster, I have a concept of protection domains, which mm -hmm. is grouping of nodes. So let's say I have 30 nodes. I can have a 10 node, a 15 node, and a five node protection domain. Each of those are completely their own fault unit from a, a failure perspective. So it's almost like creating software-defined arrays within the overarching cluster. And then there's a third concept called storage pools which doesn't get used as much, but actually allows you to drive that segregated protection down to the disk level, if you'd like. So essentially, you can obviously create, you know, multiple PowerFlex clusters and then use, you know, replication, whether it's at the PowerFlex layer or the application layer, to have data between two completely separate PowerFlex clusters, either within a site or across sites, or you can create that segregation within the PowerFlex cluster itself at the protection domain level with the advantage there being, all right, you know, think of, I have application A, B, and C, each running in a different protection domain. Application B gets shipped off, you know, shut down, retired, sent to the cloud, whatever. I can now take those nodes in protection domain B and I can just redeploy them into A and C. So you get a lot of flexibility there. The third concept we have, or fourth one rather, is a really interesting one called fault sets. And what fault sets allow you to do is create groupings within a protection domain to protect against specific failure scenarios. So an example being rack, level, like that. rack level failure, exactly. I can actually tell PowerFlex, I have a protection domain that's spread across, I don't know, let's call it four cabinets. But I want to make each cabinet a fault set. PowerFlex will ensure your data is protected outside of the fault set. So you can actually lose an entire cabinet of nodes. No problem. You're still up, running, serving data. Application doesn't see a thing. And that starts to become really interesting. And that's one of those benefits of software defined. So remember what he said earlier about the RAID 10-ish like uh, behavior of the data protection in the background. Obviously, you'd never put to the two relevant copies on the same disk, but you never put the two relevant copies on the same node, right? The idea is that you want to allow for anything to fail at any time. But the idea here with the fault sets is you never put the relevant copies in the same fault set. Yeah, so yeah. we're okay with an entire grouping of things going down all together and never seeing a disruption in your event. And outside of failure, where we actually see fault sets mostly used is with larger customers for maintenance. So we talked earlier, hey, I wanna update that store. <laughs> I do a node at a time. I cannot do a cabinet at a time or a fault set at a time of upgrading all those nodes at the same time without any type of outage. Now, here's where I'm gonna pull up a little curveball. This fault set concept is super interesting. 
It's even more interesting when we talk about the ability to deploy PowerFlex directly into the public cloud, which we now have the ability to do. Because what I can now do is using that same fault set concept, I can deploy a PowerFlex software-defined array in Amazon, let's say, but I could deploy that across availability zones. And I can use the fault set concept where I make each Amazon availability zone a fault set, and I can now provide AZ level failure protection at the storage layer in the cloud without needing to replicate your data set into every single availability zone that you want protection from. So, so Anthony, we're in, we're in bonus time. You kind of set me up. I was going to ask about the question around hybrid cloud. You can't have a conversation today about hybrid data without having a conversation about being able to manage data in the public cloud. So is this concept for for AWS, is this integrated into the AWS control plane, not control plane, is, is, am I consuming the AWS control plane natively or is there an approach to abstract it away so I can take this concept and uh, deploy it in Google Cloud, Azure, or some other cloud that I'm interested in taking uh, the underlying cloud's capability in, uh, uh, in, in applying uh, power, this PowerFlex model to? Yeah, great question. So this is software you bring to the cloud. So the cloud, it's not a integrated into the, the tools portal, if you will, experience it's truly i'm using instead of using you know powerflex nodes on prem i'm creating virtual instances in the cloud that effectively become my nodes that powerflex then gets deployed on top of and i'm now using that to create a powerflex block storage system in the cloud so it's it's very very flexible in that you can kind of bring it anywhere right because it's just running on top of a standard cloud instance allowing you to create a private block storage array in the cloud. And that now unlocks some really, really interesting capability, right? We talked about one, that multi-availability zone protection concept. Another basic one is data mobility, right? I got PowerFlex on-prem. I got PowerFlex in the cloud. I can now replicate. I got PowerFlex in Amazon, PowerFlex in Azure. I can move my data between them. The third one, though, that becomes really interesting is performance. So, so Anthony, before you go, go down that path, you mentioned... Yeah replication and migration in the same breath. And, and to me, those are two different functions. I mean, can you explain what you're talking about there? Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree with you, definitely two different functions. The way to think of PowerFlex in that construct is very much a moves the data from A to B. So your kind of traditional storage replication concept, if you will. So if I have PowerFlex in my data center, I have PowerFlex in the cloud, I now have a very easy way to get the data from A to B, whether that's for disaster recovery purposes or some type of migration of that data set, you know, into the cloud or, or vice versa. And so when you're thinking of replication in PowerFlex 2, it's a volume by volume or volume group level operation so that it's not that the entire cluster has to be configured like this is my primary and that's my target over there. Um, but for any given volume, one side of the equation is designed, designated as that's your source, that's your target. 
So you can be running PowerFlex on both sides, on-prem and cloud, and decide, okay, now I'm going to move this from on-prem over to the cloud side, start operating from that as my primary, scale up the storage underneath that for power, run tests, do whatever you're looking for. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's certainly there. Uh, we didn't yeah, talk. Yeah. We didn't talk about some of the data services around here. I mean, so you mentioned re replication, um, compression, snapshotting. You mentioned RAID 10 kind of thing. Do you guys support compression and data uh, snapshotting? We do. Oh, yeah. Yep. Data reduction, uh, snapshots, really high performance, kind of penalty-free snapshots. So all the, uh, the, the kind of typical things, if you will, thin provisioning, um, you know, pretty standard suite of storage services, which... Uh, Consider yeah. the table stakes included. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where it gets really interesting, though, is when you think about the cloud, um, bringing some of those services capabilities to the cloud, right? Where the cloud can provide kind of basic block storage. Performance is really expensive, though, and you really don't have much in the way of services. And by introducing PowerFlex into the cloud, we, we kind of solve both of those challenges and uniquely we solve it with a scale out architecture. And that's what we think so different about PowerFlex in the cloud versus maybe some other offerings out there where it's, hey, here's a dual controller virtual appliance that can scale to 60 terabytes for you to deploy in the cloud. Like, that's not that interesting. When I could take the, the petabyte type scale of PowerFlex, use that to create a true enterprise storage system in the cloud that gives me some of those traditional storage services, but with the scale out kind of native agility that the cloud provides, that becomes a really, really interesting concept that we're getting tons of great feedback and, and interest in right now with customers. I mean, imagine how, you know, we can say how elastic PowerFlex is on premises, but you have to still keep providing some physical no, notes, no, whereas physical you can keep spinning up EC2 instances nonstop. Yeah, and maybe an, an interesting uh, story from a customer that has PowerFlex deployed in one of the hyperscalers. Um, On-prem, they kind of run their standard thin provisioning on across their storage platforms, you know, of which PowerFlex is one. On-prem, they kind of stay around two to one, right? So they take advantage of over-provisioning, but, you know, look, if they need more hardware, more capacity, it takes about a month, right? Place orders, lead times, people showing up to plug it in, et cetera. In the cloud, they're actually running their, their over-provisioning rate north of four to one on PowerFlex. And the sole reason is, well, we're comfortable doing that because if we need capacity, I, I click buttons and 15 minutes later, it's, it's in my cluster. So they're kind of taking advantage of that cloud agility to drive out cost by running at a higher over-subscription rate. And that's even more interesting because the cloud on its own does not provide thin provisioning. Right. When your DBA goes and provisions a four terabyte volume, but then only stores 500 gig of data, you're still paying the cloud for four terabytes of storage. You're almost saying so that you could drive up the, 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 the utilization rate from two to one to four to one based on what uh, parameters for the for the solution. I mean, like thin provisioning or not, I understand, but that would be the same regardless of whether it's on prem or in the cloud. Totally yeah. things like compression or something like that? No, I think the, the operational difference, and this is one of the things I've pinged Dell in the past about and Dell competitors about when you build 
storages in a public cloud. You're trying to bring this operating model from the private data center into the public cloud, and it doesn't work because of cost. If I provision a four terabyte storage array, I have to pay for four terabytes of storage, whether I use it or not, and it becomes obscenely expensive. And so I guess the the, the follow-on question to you, Anthony, I, I like the approach of being able to say, okay, I'm going to provision 50 gig of real, uh, of real uh, AWS instances behind my PowerFlex and advertise two terabytes or whatever the size I want to advertise to my customers. That process, talk to me about that process of when I actually need to back that with real instances is can is this something that i can automate is there apis in which i can my platform engineering team can build auto scaling rules that basically says hey add additional uh, uh, provision additional aws instances and then go into powerflex and uh, assign those instances to my storage pool you've got the idea exactly and And the programmability of the infrastructure is one of its other highlights it is software there's an api for everything on our side and there's apis for everything on the cloud provider side too so everything can be programmed bingo and that's um that's one of the interesting pieces right now and you know we realize there are going to be customers who want to take advantage of those apis they want to build that automation themselves and great thumbs up ready to go um, stay tuned. You'll you'll hear us making some announcements shortly about us for those customers that you know maybe don't have the the ability to build that automation themselves or just don't want to. Um, some of that will be provided for them. Um, so without spoiling, you know, stay tuned if you will. <laughs> well, hey, this has been great. So Keith, any last questions for Brian or Anthony? No, it's been a really uh, interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to seeing some of these integrations uh, and examples uh, with, you know, partners around the edges of what uh, they do, you know, like Terraform integrations, et cetera. All the cloudy stuff that that I can envision is possible with the platform. Right, right, right. So, Brian or Anthony, is there anything you'd like to say to our listening audience before we close? For me, you know, thank you both for the time. This was, you know, great discussion, great, great, uh, great questions. Um, You know, our kind of asked to the audience out there, if, you know, you're out there operating a data center and and thinking about how do I standardize? How do I simplify? How do I consolidate? If you haven't taken the time to to really kind of learn and and get the deep dive on PowerFlex, this is a really, really interesting platform right now that's growing absolutely crazy for, for Dell. Um, we'd love the opportunity to come in and talk to you about it. So really appreciate the time. And, you know, Brian, any closing comments from you? I'll echo that. Thanks for having us. This was really great. And uh, to also echo something you mentioned, Dell Tech World is coming up. Uh, it's right on our, our heels here. You'll be hearing a lot about it. If you happen to be there, we have several deep dive sessions, ask the experts, uh, hands-on labs, uh, come get a hands-on look at it, ask a lot of more questions if you've got them. I guess I have one question. Uh, it was actually a whole set of questions, but I'll just ask one of them. I saw, is there some sort of like a trialability capability? Can I, uh, you know, log on to powerflex.com and, and uh, download the software and run it for a, a four node system for, you know, 
some number of hundreds of gigabytes or something like that? No. So remember, we're not want, we don't want customers to just say, oh, let me take software and, and build my own PowerFlex system, right? There, there's, there's a level of science project, projectiness to that that we just found customers are just not that interested in. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a position where you know, you're, you're designing infrastructure, you want to get hands-on with PowerFlex, we have a whole array of options, everything from very, very rich labs with very high-performance systems at yeah. Dell facilities that customers can access, or you know, we do have the ability to, to you know, send gear to customers in their data center where they can test with their workloads and, and applications specifically. So to, to truly kind of properly evaluate, you have the ability to do that. And then the same extends to cloud as well. Where oh, yeah. we have yeah. to work with customers, stand up, you know, PowerFlex in the cloud with them, where you know they can go and and do all the testing and and validate you know a lot of the value props. So I have to I have to co-sign the EBC option. We've used it at the CT, in the CTO Visor hybrid infrastructure to get a hold of some pretty uh, pretty robust hardware within the Dell ecosystem, and uh, we found it as a need that we didn't need to bring the physical nodes into our data center, which is kind of our bread and butter. It's it's, it's a little known hack as a Dell customer to 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 leverage these EBCs for pretty much whatever you want to test. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, this has been great, Brian and Anthony. Thanks for being on our show today. And thanks again to Dell PowerFlex for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you both. Have a great day. And that's it for now. Bye, Brian. Bye, Anthony. And bye, Keith. Bye, Ray. Until next time. Next time, we will talk to the system storage technology person. Any questions you want us to ask, please let us know. And if you enjoy our podcast, tell your friends about it. Please review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as this will help get the word out.